Okay, next up, we have uh, very privileged to have for the first time, uh, Martin de Soleil, the CEO of Allchem. And we are going to focus pretty much exclusively on their Canadian assets, which is the James Bay asset. I remember years ago when, uh, you know, Galaxy was going around, they had Mount Catlin, they had Sol de Vida, and then they had this James Bay and no one gave any thought or credit, you know, that that thing would ever get built. And here it is, you're you're very far advanced in engineering and you got your first federal permit. But I would argue, and I do argue, and I think David agrees that, you know, the market doesn't give much, if any, value for your Quebec assets and relative to how these assets are valued in independent companies, you know, there's some hidden upside, you know, within Allchem, you know, for that. So with that, I'll leave it to you, David, to just uh, ask your questions, and I may come in throughout. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, Martin, for joining us. Maybe you can just, at a high level, bring the market up to date on, on where Allchem is, the James Bay process. Obviously, the first federal approval was obtained in January. I know the IBA discussion is ongoing and the permits are sort of ready to be filed and then construction would begin imminently. Maybe you can just update us on that. I know that we're also expecting a resource upgrade or update rather, maybe update as well or upgrade as well, but that would be by by the middle of this calendar year. So maybe just high level where, where we are in the process right now. Yeah, thank you very much, Howard and David. David, you just described exactly where we are. We secured the further approval at the beginning of January for starting the construction of Shanks Bay. Uh, we are now finalizing, crossing all the the T's, dotting all the I's on the permit from the at the provincial level, which we hope to to obtain it soon. With that ESIA from the provincial permit, we shall be able to submit all of the early works and construction permits that are ready to file. What we are doing in the meantime is we are drilling uh, the James Bay asset. The initial delineation of the old body was just to to prove enough reserve and resources to file an NF forty three one hundred one. We, we want to give it a more thorough view and understand exactly the size of the old body and uh, the quality uh, that, that we have. As, as we have said before, James Bay is a great asset in, in Quebec in terms of head grade, in terms of uh, very low stripping ratio, in terms of its ability to deliver to the market a very good quality product. So once we start uh, to build the mine, we will start to work on, on different options for the vertical integration of the project to bring it down into lithium hydroxide. So once, uh, I, I believe you will give guidance to the public market, uh, the timing for construction here is uh, is fairly short uh, once once uh, the picks are in the ground here. Uh, and I believe the last capital estimate was around $286 million. I guess, can you describe this? Is it is it a relatively virgin area that you're developing, or are you benefiting at all from some pre-existing uh, things that might have happened in the area already, bringing uh, hard rock acid on? you know, within 12 to 18 months or so would be a, a pretty notable achievement. The initial um, timeline that we had to build the project was around 15 to 18 months. It's not 12 months. Yes, you cannot deliver a project in 12 months. And a lot depends on at which time the winter hits you in the construction project. So once we get all the permits approved and we initiate the construction works, we will be able to tell the market exactly how long we think it will take us to, to build the project. We are developing different alternatives in terms of utilizing precast concrete and uh, prefabricated steel structures to be able to speed up the, the construction of the project. In the NF43-101 that was put about a year and a half ago will be reviewed at the time of securing all the permits and initiating construction. We don't expect significant variations in the in the capex in, in the project apart from you know the, the overall inflation impact that is hitting all of the projects. Some of the, the activities have already been triggered and 
were already doing some works that uh, that were authorized by the permits that we had. Sure. Maybe just for context, you can just talk about James Bay in relation to your flagship asset, Mount Catlin, which I know is 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 closer to the end of its of its useful life as a mine, and you guys have, have endeavored to extend the mine life by you know five years or so. But you know the resource size of James Bay is just massive. I guess when you think about the the total scale, is this a project that would have multiple iterations? You know, because it, it, it's quite a bit larger than what you would see at Mount Catlin. Maybe you can just contrast the two ore bodies and the advantages between the two. We are currently drilling James Bay to try to delineate the whole ore body. Uh, the initial delineation was was not sufficient, so we'll be able to tell you uh, in terms of how many times can. Uh, What's the total size of this development? Of this uh, development, we'll only be able to tell you once we complete the drilling program that we're currently doing. A couple of things that we know of James Bay is number one, the quality of the asset is very good. The head grade is is better than what we have in Mount Catling. The pegmatite layers, which are horizontal in Mount Catling, are almost vertical or sloped in in James Bay, which enables us to access the ore with a lower stripping ratio. It's about a third of what it would be in, in Catling, and also the the basalt contamination, it's it's completely different. While in Catlin, you have the basalt uh, uh, jointly with the pegmatites here, you have clear basalt layers that enable you to separate the basalt from the from the pegmatite. So it is fully funded. It's uh, low, very very low operational costs, and the the high grade, as I said before, not only improves the recovery of the plant, but also enables us to deliver more and more products to our customers. Can you talk a little bit about the timeline between getting the first spodumen production versus chemical production? How much of a, a lag between the two do you see? And what's the initial plan for the spodumen project before you're you're converting it yourselves or with a partner? Well, listen, we, we are currently working on a pre-feasibility study for, for the downstream facilities. And uh, based on what we are seeing in the market, we may expect a couple of years of uh, sales of uh, sodium in, into the market until we have our downstream facilities up in operation. And we we, we are planning to to market that sodium into to the same customers and getting through tolerance agreements. Um, the flexibility and the geographical coverage that Olcam has makes it a a unique company in terms of its ability to support and, and serve our customers. That's the plan that we have. Just there, there's a disconnect where companies are listed, you know, and what's the makeup of their shareholders. So retail shareholders are driving up projects. And we've observed that, you know, Alchem maybe in, in its early days, you know, had more of a retail following, but doesn't seem to have the kind of same, you know, retail following you know, as other Australian, you know, companies might, which push up a lot of those valuations. But then also separately, your, as uh, your peers, you know, live in Albemarle, SQM, uh, producing peers are, are listed properly here in the US. I, I would think, I asked you this question, I don't know, two years ago at, at one of your results presentations, like, w- would you consider a US listing? And and with your now focused on, on North America, once James Bay gets fully permitted, I mean, I, I see re-rating potential for your stock by by listing in the U.S. and and attracting kind of retail shareholders. So, from like an investor relations point of view, could you comment on Allchem's thinking on either of those things? We we have said always that if we think that there's an opportunity to improve valuation for our shareholders, we we look at it and, and pursue it. I think that uh, it is important that we convey our message properly, and the market understands that we are not just 
an upstream producer of spoiling. We are a vertically integrated producer of lithium chemicals. I think that those better valuations come with the vertical integration of your production more than with the geography in which you are listed. But but we are clearly seeing what you mentioned in the US market. On the other hand, touching on the on the composition of our shareholder base, we had in in Rocobre pretty much an institutional shareholder base. Galaxy came with a more retail shareholder base. Since the merger about a year and, and six months ago, the retail, uh, the shareholder base has been shifting again towards institutions. So we do have a very large uh, institutional composition in our shareholder base in Australia. Right. So it's the there's been a migration. Galaxy had a reasonable, I think maybe they had a higher valuation in the past. But uh, anyhow, your asset, one thing you mentioned when we I saw you at the PDAC was there's a lot of joint ownership of assets in uh, in Quebec, right? You own 100% of your asset, and it's it's quite sizable, 40 million tons at 1.4%. It's like, it, it's a really, I don't know, from an equity tons perspective, it, it, it ranks probably, you know, near the top from that perspective. Also, while you're here, any indication on the carbonate price in China, which you're heavily exposed to, has fallen some 50%. Spot price, we don't really know exactly because Pilbara didn't do their last BMX auction. They told instead. But do you have any guidance or indication that you know on where prices are today, given you are exposed both to spot, I mean, and carbonate? When we released our semi-annual financial statements, we confirmed the guidance that we had for spot and, and carbonate for this quarter. So we're maintaining that, that guidance. Our exposure is not that large to China because we sell a lot of our product in Japan and, and Korea as well. So we, we are more balanced, uh, not, not just on China. The other thing I always say is these fluctuations in the spot uh, pricing do not have to concern a lot. We think that there's a significant growth in the demand. Uh, the demand of lithium will continue to grow. The driver for the demand of lithium is the decarbonization of the world. And when the prices were very low in the middle of the COVID situation, we continue to invest through our projects. That is what enables us to have the projects ready to, to go now. The Chinese spot prices are are not uh, a significant part of what the prices are composed. The market clears in, in, in long-term contracts, particularly when you talk about battery-grade product, the product has to be qualified with customers. So we we are seeing some retraction in, in the Chinese market and, and we are seeing some retraction in, in prices not impacting us significantly in, in, in the short-term run. And we have to see how that continues uh, in, in the next uh, few months. The, the Chinese manufacturers have lost a significant margin over the last uh, six uh, months as the prices have increased and they started to use idle capacity. Now, when they do the numbers for next year, that idle capacity becomes business as usual. The margins are very low because they have been shrunk for the, the price increase over the last six months. And, and they are trying to reposition themselves and, and get uh, better margins. And there's a bit of a push and pull in the market going on at these days. But uh, most of what you see in the sport market is not... Uh, the reality that clears the the bulk of the volumes that the market needs. It may drive the uh, stock market, you know, every day because everyone focuses on it. But we we should be watching your quarterly results and your quarterly guidance. Theoretically, the guidance that you say you're sticking to, you know, could be higher. Can you remind us uh, what your guidance was for the the, the next quarter for both spodring price and carbonate? Uh, we guided uh, spot prices in line with the previous quarter. We guided uh, the carbonate price in, as well as line, in line with the previous quarter. It was uh, excluding sales related party about uh, $53,000 per ton for, for carbonate. Which was in both cases, we maintained the previous 
we maintain the previous quarter guidances. Yeah. Okay, so 53,000 for carbonate, and I think it was like 5,300 or something like that for 5.3% spodumene, if I mm -hmm. remember well. Yes. Uh, okay, so 53,000 carbonate, you know, next quarter could be higher than spot is at the, the day that you release it. We'll see. Okay, final question just on um, M&A and consolidation. I mean, you have a lot of assets under development, but you're generating lots of cash now. And, you know, we see Quebec and Ontario, lots of juniors. It could be a, a, a space for activity. And now we're having a bit of a pullback in the market. What, what are your thoughts on M&A, you, you consolidating? And and what, what geographies would, would, would Canada be like a first port of call for you to expand or, or would it be elsewhere? Clearly, we, we, we do have a great assets in, in, in all three locations where we produce uh, raw materials in, in Argentina and Canada and, and Australia. Our focus uh, would be Canada and Australia as, as the most interesting jurisdictions at, at this point uh, to continue to grow. We have our resources in, in brands are huge, you know, so we're talking about uh, hundreds of years of, of resources uh, to produce. So we, we would want to put uh, a bit more focus on the on the hard rock side. However, we do have great assets, as I told you before. And every time we look into a, a project, we are better off by investing in our own assets and further developing than that buying a new project and running all the risks. I would I would tell you we are an opportunistic buyer. Uh, we did acquire assets in the past uh, when, when we thought it was the right opportunity to do it. And we will continue to do that. If we think that an asset will add value to our portfolio, will enable us to increase uh, the service level to our customers and make uh, I wish I hold us better off considering the, the, the price that we pay for the asset and, and the risks that, that we run in developing the asset, which I understand we know them very well, then we will do it. But uh, I would qualify us as an opportunistic player on the m a arena at this time. Well, I was looking at my Mr. Market scoreboard as of you know the middle of this month in the last 15 months. Uh, and I, when I look back 15 months ago, there was Galaxy and Oracobre on it. <laughs> and now it, you know, it's, just all, <laughs> it's just all cam, but, but Oracobre was the surviving right. stock. And over that period of time, that 15 months, you have significantly outperformed. So you did merge well, and that was a, a, a full merger of a multi-asset company. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about. There are a number of advanced developers of multiple projects you know they're going to be doing greenfield or brownfield you know that 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 could seem a good match and a number of them have activities in canada in hard rock right yeah listen as you said we, we just done it we've done it successfully uh we know how to do it and uh if there's a good opportunity we'll look into that